welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Wham, bam, pow. Thank you, ma'am. Question one from today is, Craig, if I had a vasectomy, and have no plans of ever having any more children and am 40, why would I ever cycle? Wouldn't Blast and Cruise make the most sense? And why would I ever need any PCT or HCG if I don't care about my balls being smaller? Aromasin every four days is what he uses. I think that's what he means. I think that means he uses Aromasin. Once per four days. Okay. Yeah, I agree that um, it makes more sense to blast and cruise. I think that if you're going to use steroids and do more than like one cycle just to figure out what steroids are all about. Because, you know, if you're really curious and you want to just figure out what it's all about, then, yeah, do it and do a PCT afterwards. So you can, uh, if you're curious, know what know what that is, what that experience is like. But if you're planning on doing multiple cycles, you're like, okay, well, this is something I want to do long term. And, you know, I want to be way bigger and, you know, I want to be freaky or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Then, yeah, you probably shouldn't cycle. Like, I mean, the way that I do it personally is I do blast and cruising kind of mixed with just going off a bit sometimes. So, I mean, that's pretty much always the way that I've done it is, uh, you know, I usually take TRT or do cycles, but I mean, for the most part, I usually do a cycle for like three or four months and then, uh, I'll just stop taking everything for like maybe five weeks, maybe 10 weeks. And then, uh, after that, then I'll start up TRT and, uh, start doing TRT 250 milligrams per week for maybe another four weeks or another eight weeks. And then, uh, I'll start a new steroid cycle. That's the way that I've been doing it, uh, for years. And then other guys just always stay on some, uh, some, uh, cruise. Some people do the cruise with testosterone and DECA. Some people do it just with the testosterone. Some people even, uh, do it with trend like usually that's a thing among ifbb pros or just pro bodybuilders in general is uh cruising on a little bit of trend cruising on a little bit of trend so 
it's going to be, I don't see why it would make sense at all to be doing PCT if you were planning on doing it long term. Because here's the thing about PCT, is that when you go off, you go backwards, okay? When you go off steroids, you go backwards. So if you are using steroids, trying to build something, trying to work up to something over many cycles and do it long term, it makes no sense to be going off and putting your body through some freaking recovery just so that you can turn it off again after the next cycle. That like literally makes zero sense. Uh, so, you know, since you're going to be going backwards, that's going to be hurting your progress anyways. So why not just spare your body uh, having to go through the PCT drugs and the hormonal roller coaster and just, you know, take a bit of time, just stop taking everything all together or just take like a TRT dose is what I think. I mean, I don't do those PCT things. Um, and yeah, that, that's the reality of steroid use too. And that's the reason why a lot of guys do do cruising is because when you go off steroids, you go backwards. Um, that's just the way it is. The same way that if you stop going to the gym, you go backwards. If you stop taking steroids, you go backwards. If you stop doing your diet, you go backwards. <laughs> It's, you know, that's just the way it is. So you stop taking them and immediately you start having like a body recomposition where, you know, you slowly over a period of one month, two months, three months, four months, you put on a bit of fat and you lose muscle at the same time. And uh, so the way to make that not happen and, you know, not happen much at all. Uh, and still be able to take cycles is to do what they call cruising, which is where you take a maintenance dose of steroids between, you know, heavy steroid use. So, or or just taking a cycle, you know, moderate steroid use. But, yeah, some guys cruise at a true TRT dose around uh, between 125 to 250 milligrams per week. But then, like I said, some guys that are really big or they're really serious competitors they're you know cruising on test and deca or even test and trend and deca like all at the same time which it's not much of a cruise but it is compared to what their blasts are their blast would be their cycle their big muscle building or contest prep cycle that they were doing all right and we have another question and that is will human growth hormone help to repair torn groin muscle Okay, so human growth hormone helps speed up any kind of repair process that your body is already doing, and it does it really, really well. So, I mean, I took human growth hormone at six IUs per day, uh, nortitropin, after my hernia surgery, and I was looking like basically very close to my best ever um about five weeks after that surgery uh so that helped me speed up i would say at least like three times uh my my recovery from that hernia surgery was like roughly three times as quick as a normal recovery would be because of that six i used per day of nortitropin and uh I also took Anadrol 50 milligrams 
and uh, 200 milligrams of primabolin and 400 milligrams of testosterone per week with that 6-IUs and nortitropin uh, to during those first couple weeks uh, or the first few weeks, three weeks or something after I had that hernia surgery. And yeah, those performance-enhancing drugs really did help me recover from that surgery way faster, um, way faster than normal. So performance-enhancing drugs used to be prescribed for that purpose back in the 60s and then the 50s when they were experimenting, when the, the doctors were experimenting with all their different uses. Uh, it's definitely not popular for that today, but yeah, they make you recover from serious injuries uh, or like bone breakage or you know getting surgery or whatever they help you recover from that stuff faster for sure just in general being on them um, but as far as helping repair your torn groin muscle what I'd say is that like is this a long-term injury or is this something that happened recently because the way it works is yeah, it's possible that over time, like over a period of months or years, it could help you uh, repair, you know, old injuries that have just been lingering around for years. But generally, it doesn't really seek out those kinds of things. You don't notice that, like any kind of like seeking out old injuries effect from it. It's more like if you've got something that your body is already working on, then it makes it heal way, way faster. So that's why like NFL players are so dependent on this stuff because they get hurt every single week when they play the game. They get hurt badly. And then they have to do it again the next week. And sometimes they don't even have that much time. They'll have like a, a Thursday night game or something, you know? So they'll have another game four or five days later. And that's like crazy stressful. Like there is no way that you could take that kind of abuse that these guys take uh, without having something to help you recover. And so what most of them do is use the growth hormone about about four to six I use before bed uh, every night. And that helps them get better. It helps them recover uh, between games. If they have it speeds up the main thing that growth hormone does, like better than building muscle, I mean, it does, it changes your metabolism really, really well and helps you to utilize um, carbs, proteins, and fat much more effectively for repair, growth, and development. Um, but the real thing that it, it really shines at is strengthening the connective tissue of the body and the structural system of the body. Uh, it's really good at repairing bones quickly, repairing ligaments quickly, tendons quickly, uh, those kind of structural support of the body. It targets those areas. So if you have an injury that your body is currently working on, just like the NFL players, you know, they get hurt and immediately they're on this stuff. You know, they would have a, some kind of injury that was an acute injury and need to use it. Then, you know, it helps you recover way faster. But as far as it seeking out injuries that your body doesn't seem to be working on, they're just old injuries that just have stayed around for years, that would be a stretch. That would be a stretch. 
it could help and it probably should help over time but i don't see it seeking it out and beginning a repair process that has failed to happen naturally okay next question is from baha bum bought your book ultimate guide to roids 109 page ebook by dan the bodybuilder from thailand and shit is gold been reading your blog for a while question if i am determined to run 500 milligrams of testosterone per week as a first cycle would 70 milligrams of propionate be roughly the equivalent of the typical 250 milligrams testinante every third day I have taken your advice on propionate packing more of a punch to heart. Thanks. This guy's name was Daniel. I said the wrong name. This guy's name was Daniel, same as me. Baha Bum is the next question, so we'll be hearing from Baha Bum soon. Yeah, so I think you will be able to feel the... I think you'll be able to feel that difference with the propionate at 70 milligrams every day uh, same as about 500 milligrams of testosterone per week so that's going to be kind of hard to measure on your syringe you'd have to measure the 0.7 mark and it's usually kind of microscopic on a 0.7 milliliter so it's up to you though and as far as you wondering if propionate is going to make a bigger difference to the way that you're going to feel mentally and also the way you're going to feel physically on your steroid cycle yeah it's a different experience to take propionate than it is to take ananthate or cypionate propionate is a different experience all right it might as well you know it feels like testosterone but it might as well be called like turbo testosterone or something right because Per milligram, if you take the same milligrams of propionate or enanthate, A, the propionate's just better. Everyone who's used it knows it's true. So that's what I would that's what I would go with. That's what I'd go with. Good job on uh deciding to go with the propionate. Everyday injections though is what you've gotta do to get the really good effects from propionate. So if you don't do everyday injections then it uh it doesn't work quite the same and it won't be i have to take away my guarantee on it being better than an anthate <laughs> all right next question is from baha bum now we've got we're hearing from him dan i'm 60 years old 190 pounds probably 13 to 15 percent body fat been on trt for 10 years 125 to 250 milligrams testinanthate per week for TRT. Lifting since 16, intense at times, but he's also taken breaks. Two years ago, he started doing a few mini blast cycles in addition to his TRT by upping the testosterone to 400 milligrams and adding Primobolin and or Masteron at 400 milligrams per week. He keeps Cabergoline and AI, aromatase inhibitor, inhibitor anti-estrogen on hand but never seems to need them so far he wants to try an eight-week cycle of testosterone and anthate trenacetate 300 milligrams per week 
and human growth hormone 4IU per day for four weeks. Then go to testosterone 400 and primobolin 400 another four weeks. Just looking to recomposition to get that freaky look without putting on more weight. 190 at five foot seven is as heavy as he wants to be. Does this make sense? What's your take? Thanks. Old guy fighting the clock. Yeah, I think that your plan sounds good. So, Baja Bum here, he's uh, he's 60 years old. And so, one of the things that you got to be remembering is, is uh, usually guys at that age have a little bit higher risk of cardiovascular issues. So, the thing that you would want to be keeping aware of while you do this cycle is the blood pressure. So... There's a few things like um, not eating junk food, eating clean food that lower blood pressure. Um, and then reducing carbs also lowers blood pressure, but reducing carbs makes steroids not work as good because steroids work really, really good with carbs. Like they specially use that stuff as fuel. Um, but yeah, that's ways to help if you have any blood pressure issues since at 60 years old. It's probably, uh, it's more important than ever. It's more important than ever because it's important for us guys who are younger too. But at 60 years old, it's even more important. So watching that because Trembolone has a tendency to raise blood pressure in general. Trembolone, usually guys taking Trembolone have high blood pressure in general. Um, so... As far as the human growth hormone too, I think that that is going to, I think you're going to notice a huge difference on that because they've done studies showing the, uh, the skin thickness, uh, before and after human growth hormone therapy in, um, people 60 years and older actually. And, uh, it always reduce, it always, uh, it reduces the years that their skin appears to have with the thickness reduction. Cause as you get older, your skin becomes thinner and thinner. Um, and so you guys know people that are like 80 years old, usually they have really thin skin and seems like easy to, for them to get cut or for the skin to break because they have this thin skin. So when they're given growth hormone, their skin thickens up usually to 20 years, the same thickness that would correspond with 20 years younger than their age. So if you're 60 years old right now and you're starting to use growth hormone for the first time. You're gonna be you're gonna be really pleased, I think, because it makes a big change to the uh, the texture of the skin, and it has measurable in a lab results where they can say yes, the skin changed thicknesses uh, back to what would be the average thickness for someone 20 years younger than that age from taking growth hormone. Um, one of the things too is that as you get older. Um, the the body the the body tends to f store more fat right on the abdomen that's uh, a common thing and also around the organs and inside the muscles you know around the organs that's called visceral fat and so growth hormone directly targets the abdominal area and the visceral fat okay out of all the bodies because when you start taking growth hormone you just automatically start losing fat without any change in diet it starts recompositioning you. That's another thing that growth hormone has been shown to do in laboratory studies uh, multiple times over and over again is that 
the only thing you need to do. You don't need to start exercising. You don't need to start dieting. You just have to inject yourself with growth hormone and you start recompositioning. Okay. It's very powerful stuff. So, um, since it directly targets that area, uh, where your stomach is. And, uh, also you'll notice that, you know, a lot of guys, as they get older, that, that midsection area tends to get bigger. And, and that's, that's the reason, like you see mass kind of leaving other areas of the body and moving more towards the abdomen. And the reason for that is because of this tendency to accumulate visceral fat around the organs. So then it pushes out the, uh, the muscle like girdle, that is your abdominals, your sides, your obliques, and your, your back muscles, your lower back muscles is that girdle that holds in that area. That is your, your organs, all your organs, your digestive system inside. And that starts getting pushed out that whole, that whole, uh, apparatus, that whole muscle, muscular area starts getting pushed out from visceral fat accumulation that is normal with an increase in age. But as I said, growth hormone directly targets burning that fat and burning abdominal fat more and before it starts burning the other fat in the body growth hormone also does spot reduction fat so when you uh fat loss so when you inject the growth hormone if you like always do it on the right side of your stomach then like the right side you'll start being like what the hell the right side's getting like way leaner <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like uh the left side would be like twice the skin fold thickness <laughs> as the right side so uh it, it's interesting some guys i've known some funny stuff that guys have done where they've given themselves like 15 micro injections with human growth hormone all around their love handles or like the bottoms of their glutes before competitions they'll get like a like a you know, like tenths of an IU and they'll be like dotting it all around where they want to burn a specific part of fat or get some more definition in that spot. It's pretty funny, pretty funny thing to watch. Uh, so yeah, it does have that spot reduction, that spot reduction effect. So if, if you want to burn fat in a certain area, inject the growth hormone into that area and uh, it'll be more effective there. And then switch sides, too, if you want it to be even. You know, alternate sides with your growth hormone injections. The other thing with growth hormone is that uh, if you inject it subcutaneously, it tends to give less water retention than if you inject it intramuscularly. So you'll look better if you inject it into your fat tissue. Um, and also when you inject it into the fat tissue, it stays in the body longer. Because it takes, there's less blood supply there, and it takes longer for the growth hormone to get distributed, and so it, it lasts for about 12 hours after the injection. It's in your body, so it makes sense to split your growth hormone dosage into two doses per day. So then you're covering all 24 hours. Uh, some people take it all at once, but a lot of people split it into two dosages some people even do more dosages like dosing it every two or three hours there was a video on a uh that rich p on a bigger by the day series where he was talking about how he would take growth hormone every two hours on the dot around the clock he'd be waking up during the night and stuff to do it when he was competing which i thought that was pretty funny but yeah i think that especially you know as an older guy that you'll really 
notice a difference from growth hormone, it really does make you respond more to weight training and food the way that a young guy who is like 18 years old, 16 years old responds to it. Um, not that those young guys are usually huge or anything, but they do usually have this look where it's it, it just looks like if any food is getting through, it's going straight to their muscles. <laughs> and they're able to recover really, really quickly and do another workout again and like use that food that they give their bodies. It seems like whenever they eat, their body uses that food to grow or something. And you know, the reason for that is because those guys, though, uh, when you're young, when you're, when you're growing and you're like 17 years old, you are producing like about, about six IUs, uh, approximately, approximately six IUs per day of human growth hormone. And then by the time you're done with puberty, that's way off. That that's like way, way down, you know, not even near that anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, growth hormone makes, that's what makes your bones grow. That's the signal that makes it grow. So that's why when you're in puberty and you're growing, your skeleton is growing, you have these crazy growth hormone levels. And I mean, you see guys like transforming, like, well, you know, what is puberty? You know, puberty is when your growth hormone levels turn on and your testosterone turns on for the first time. And you always see these guys that hit puberty have these drastic changes in recomposition. Well, like that's what happens when you start using steroids and growth hormone in their injectable versions. So, yeah, I think you're going to have a great cycle. I think you're going to have a great cycle. Um, I like the the Primabolin. I like the Primabolin in there because any cycle with Primabolin is a good cycle. Okay, next question. Niall asks, man, been listening to your podcast on YouTube every morning when I wake up first thing. Best hour of my day. Nice, man. Took your testosterone dosage into account. I've been underwhelmed by 500 milligrams of testosterone for a long time. So I upped it to 800 milligrams a week. Fucking hell. I've exploded in gains and I'm only eating at maintenance. It's fucking nuts. Anyway, my supplier ran out of testosterone and anthate this week. So I picked up some Sustanon and I'm going to be using this testosterone for the first time. I'm going to run it at 900 milligrams per week, 300 milligram injection, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Should I see a noticeable difference going from testosterone and anthate 800 to 900 Sustanon? Yeah, you probably will notice a difference. Sustanon has four esters in it. It's a four ester mix of testosterone. So it has, it's per milliliter, it's usually 250 milligrams. And then it has in the vial mixed all together, testosterone propionate, testosterone phenylpropionate, testosterone isocaproate, and testosterone decanoate. Okay, so these are all esters and esters have different release times of removing the ester from the testosterone molecule and then releasing the testosterone into the blood. So when you take a shot of Sustanon, you have four separate peaks in your bloodstream of testosterone levels, okay? Because there's four separate esters and they all peak at a different individual time, okay? And the testosterone phenylpropionate and the testosterone propionate, both of those peak within a couple of hours and then the isocaproate and the decanoate, they peak 
a little bit later, you know, the next couple days. Uh, but you'll, you'll generally feel it because of the propionate and the phenylpropionate. You'll, you'll generally feel that on the same day that you take it. So that, that's a difference because usually with testosterone and anthate, you'll sort of feel that boost or feel something's different the day after you take the injection. But with the sustenon, you feel something different the same day as you take the injection. So most people, most people just prefer the steady, the steady, uh, the more steady feeling of using a single ester testosterone. So, but some people do like sustenon and I've used it. You know, one thing that was cool was in Vietnam. I was in a Saigon city, Vietnam, and I was going around, walking around to some of the pharmacies there, seeing what they had. And, uh, they had Originon, uh, they had Originon Deca 100 ampules. So Originon is a German company that they've been known because they've, they've been making Deca Durablin brand Deca since they were making it back when Arnold was using it. And they're still making it today. And it was in there, the, the authentic ones being sold over the counter in those pharmacies. It took a while. I had to walk around to quite a few uh, different pharmacies in that uh, downtown Saigon city. They call it Ho Chi Minh City now because ever since uh, the communists took over in uh, in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh, there the communist leader, they uh, he he renamed their capital the Saigon. It's a historic city there. He renamed it Ho Chi Minh City. Um, <laughs> so you know one of the other weird things about Saigon and and just Vietnam in general. And also, this is the way it is in Laos, too, um, is that these are all Southeast Asian countries. And they have, uh, since they're communist governments, they're ruled by communists, they have the, the red flag, you know, with the gold hammer and sickle. And you, so you see that communist flag waving everywhere. And it's a little bit, even though a lot of us kind of were just first coming around right at the end of communism in Russia... It's still because it has kind of an ominous feeling to it and uh, people just don't know, you know, it's not familiar. So when you're a Westerner and you see those communist flags flying around in Laos and Vietnam, it's a little bit like, ooh, uh, gives me the creeps a little bit. But yeah, so they had Originon uh, uh, Sustanon 250 in there too and the uh, Originon Deca 100 amps. And so the the Sustanon 250, the original Sustanon, is was made by Originon 2. You know that's their brand name for that mix of four different esters of testosterone in the same vial. Their brand name is Sustanon. So, uh, you know it's like trademarked. And so I got I I picked some of that up and I went back to my hotel and I took it. <laughs> I took I, I took like three cc's and. Uh, I worked out the next day and I had a crazy high blood pressure headache. <laughs> it made me take on a bunch of water and it was very, very strong, you know, it only took one day like that. And I had this, I was super bloated up and I had this, uh, really painful throbbing, uh, high blood pressure headache. So I don't know if that really felt too great. Better just take one CC at a time. All right, next question is from Sarkis, and he asks, Hey, brother, just wanted to ask you a few questions regarding dosage for LGD-4033. 
Just snatched a bottle with your discount code. I'm thinking of running 5 milligrams first four weeks and 10 for weeks 5 to 8. Would you advise anything different? Also, been following you for years and trust your judgment. Uh, didn't know where to buy LGD until I saw your review on your website, bodybuilderinthailand.com. <laughs> Added that last part in there. <laughs> um, so, Sarkis, I think five milligrams is a little bit low. I know it shows in studies that that does build muscle, and that's like the minimum dose that builds uh, anything that they can really see uh, dependably in studies. But they, it's it's uh, a lot of that that they do show in the studies is going to be the intramuscular water retention and glycogen carbohydrate fuel storage, and it won't stick so much after cycle. So if you up that up to 10 milligrams per day uh, at a minimum, I think it's going to work a lot better to put on some hard muscle tissue and also deliver some good strength gains in the gym that you're going to keep those gains uh, after you finish and not kind of have them go away like a week after you stop taking it. Uh, even if that means that you have to shorten the duration of your cycle, the length that you take it, I still think it would be better to take 10 milligrams per day than 5 milligrams per day. Um, up at 20 milligrams per day, I experimented with it. And at 20 milligrams per day, I would compare it to taking one cc of testosterone per week. It's, you know, I've had other guys tell me that, like friends that I know in person, right? They didn't tell me this over the internet. This is actual guys that have used it and talked to me. Like one guy I know, he used 15 milligrams of LGD-43 per day. And then when he was on his cycle of 500 milligrams of testosterone and anthate per week, which was his first steroid cycle, he said to me, this is not as strong as the LGD 4033, 15 milligrams per day that I ran because he was feeling frustrated at the results that he was getting from 500 milligrams of testosterone and anthate per week. So he felt that for on, in his experience, the LGD 4033 at 15 milligrams per day was stronger than his 500 milligrams of testosterone per week, okay? But for me and in my experience, I can't say this like it's exactly the same uh, muscle building power as 250 milligrams per week, okay? But I thought it was in that range. To, to me, the LGD 4033 was at 20 milligrams per day, felt pretty similar to me to taking one cc of testosterone per week all right so that was some of the information with lgd and you know that stuff isn't toxic either it's not like liver toxic and stuff so you can run that stuff and man like like i'm saying like lgd is pretty strong stuff i can't really tell the difference between that and oral steroids except for the fact that there's no toxicity from it so it i feel healthier and not as sick when I'm taking LGD 4033, I think it's really good stuff. Um, I think S23 is a little bit stronger um, and has more of a, a like whammo effect, but LGD seems to be, I'm not sure if it's better at muscle building or not, but it seems like it might actually be a little bit better at building actual muscle 
uh, tissue more. It has a testosterone effect. It has a testosterone like effect. The way it fills your body out too, the way it does like glycogen fuel storage in your muscle, and the way that it quickly within a few days of starting it makes you bigger. So it takes like between like three to five days of taking it, and you get a cosmetic effect from taking LGD forty thirty three, where your muscles swell up and they're just bigger all the time. So, pretty interesting stuff. Next question. Ryan asks, are there any antibiotics you recommend keeping on hand for an intramuscular or subcutaneous infection from injections? Uh, yeah, doxyzacillin uh, is, I remember, I remember in uh, Columbia, I kept on going to their pharmacies and asking, Doxyzacelina, Doxyzacelina. <laughs> and that one, that one is like the, the over, the pill form antibiotic of choice to deal with soft tissue infections. So that one's a good one to have. If you're worried about that, to have that. Um, he also asks, also, is 1,400 milligrams to 2,800 milligrams of trenbolone and 2,500 milligrams of testosterone per week an average dosage for an IFBB men's physique competitor, or were you talking about only IFBB bodybuilders? No, I'm, I'm only talking about when I'm talking about dosages that high. I'm only talking that that's the dosages that super heavyweight bodybuilders use, okay? Like total freaks. Uh... You know, because it takes freaky drug abuse to look like a total freak. It's it's not rocket science. It's uh that's the way it is. Um, all this stuff that you do with the bodybuilding and how far you take it, um, and when people say they say things like, "Well, you, you know, maybe he just wasn't willing to do what it's take what it what it takes to be that big and and stuff like that." Like what they mean when they say that, and what people who are in the know or who have been there and done that know that what they mean when they say that is you have to be you know he didn't have what it was he wasn't willing to take the drugs the amount of insane drugs that it takes to look like that so that's an unfortunate truth about bodybuilding and it's uh very embarrassing uh for you know those guys um you know to have to admit to something you know doing something like that so that that's why it's not talked about it's dangerous it's a liability someone can get hurt if they copied it and uh you know it's not flattering it's not flattering because it's like wow wow you know the the drugs are really a huge part of what you're doing and it's like damn right damn right the the drugs are you know look at this freak look at this freak okay Look at this freak. That's not natural, okay? <laughs> Obviously, the drugs are a huge part of what they're doing, okay? Look with your own eyes and just be natural. Like, look, use your freaking brain and look with your eyes and, you know, trust what your gut feeling and your brain tells you the freaking moment you set eyes on those guys, okay? So... And no, that it's just for super heavyweight bodybuilders with those extreme megadoses. Men's physique competitors are not taking those extreme megadoses of steroids. Men's physique competitors, remember when I talked to you guys about like what is the average total dosage of milligrams that of steroids, you know, all the steroids someone is taking, the different steroids that someone's taking at the same time, you know, totaled up 
and put all together what is the average dosage of guys in the gym that go to the gym when you see guys they're like jacked as fuck okay the dosage for that is 1000 milligrams to 2000 milligrams per week okay most every guy that you see who fits that description is using something between 1000 milligrams and 2000 milligrams total of testo of steroids per week not not testosterone but just total steroids all the all the steroids that they're using put together equaling somewhere between 1 to 2000 milligrams per week this is like a rule that you will see it, the more that you meet people in real life and talk to them you will start seeing this pattern and you know when you see these guys who are are jacked you know and and you want to know you know what does it take to do that well you know generally a good starting place is between 1000 milligrams to 2000 milligrams per week of steroids okay <laughs> it's a it's a pretty it, it's a pretty easy question you do that and you do the training and you do the diet right and you know you fiddle around a bit fiddle around swapping some stuff out and swapping some stuff in and you're gonna get like those guys too uh, eventually that's that's what it takes to be like that and then you talk about well what does it take to be like these mega freaks that are, are you know like super heavyweight bodybuilders you know that takes quite a different uh, quite a different thing, okay? So if you think one to 2,000 milligrams of total steroids per week sounds like a lot, well, you got another thing coming if you think that, you know, the super heavyweight bodybuilders are using the same thing that the guys who are, uh, you know, super jacked in your gym look like, okay? So it's a, it's a much different ball game, and there's diminishing returns. There's a lot of diminishing returns. After you get to about 1,000 milligrams of steroids per week, that's where they work the best, um, where they, they work the best and they're like at full throttle with the minimal effect on your health. And then as you keep on like pushing the dosage up, it's like they exponentially uh, do less and less as you keep increasing the dosages from there. And they also exponentially start giving you more and more side effects and making it like really stressful and uh, like intolerable, not enjoyable to use them. Okay, next question. Jack says, I will be 220 pounds at 6% once cut. Real 6%. 1.5 grams testosterone enanthate per week. Sustanon. Okay, 1.5. He will be using 1.5 grams of testosterone or sustanon per week. 6 IU of human growth hormone every day. 50 IU of Lantus every day that's insulin plus three weeks of 100 milligrams anadrol plus 50 milligrams winstrol rotated with three weeks 350 milligrams trenbolone acetate to 525 milligrams trenbolone acetate per week for 12 weeks will it be enough to reach 240 pounds at 10% body fat so a 20 pound muscle increase or like 15 pounds and there's a time limit on that too for 12 weeks yeah for 12 weeks yeah so you're talking about building a little bit more than a pound per week and you guys I'm sure that a lot of you guys just now heard me say that cycle and it was really big and really long uh, but you know what this guy has uh, ambitions 
to look like a total freak, okay? He's already 220 pounds, 6% body fat, okay? And he's looking to move up to 240 pounds, 10% uh, body fat, which is a total freak, okay? Guys on the Mr. Olympia, you know, they're, they're not that much bigger than that. So he, he's looking to be a total freak. And you have this long-ass list of steroids and performance-enhancing drugs that he puts together, okay? Well, you know, when I've looked my freakiest, go look at the cycle, the cycle descriptions that I've written, um... That I've written on that. Like, go go look at my Instagram posts on Instagram.com slash Bodybuilder in Thailand at Bodybuilder in Thailand on Instagram. And I've written down some of my cycles underneath the pictures. And so that it'll show the picture and then it will show the uh, the cycle, what I use uh, underneath that. And it'll be a long-ass list of drugs, you know, with, like, dosages like this guy, you know. He said, you know, 1.5 grams of test or something. Yeah, mine will be like a thousand milligrams of testosterone and a thousand milligrams of primobolin or something. And it's like, yo, when when you want to be a freak, you know, this guy right now, he sends this question saying, you know, is this going to be enough to get to 220, get from 220 to 240? The answer is is yes. That was, you know, a great cycle to use in order to accomplish that. But you guys have to understand that guys who are there or they're knocking on the door or guys who have been there and done that it's like they know what it takes okay and and this is what it takes this stuff that we're talking about right here 1.5 grams testosterone per week 6 IU human growth hormone every day 50 IU Lantus insulin every day 3 weeks 100 milligrams Anadrol uh, plus 50 milligrams Winstrol every day rotated with three weeks 350 to 525 milligrams tranacetate uh per week okay for 12 weeks okay this is the kind of strong ass cycle that people are doing when you guys see these guys who are freaks and you say you know they're saying to you uh you know i use these little dosages of gear i use these little dosages of gear that you see on steroid hormone hormones like 500 milligrams of testosterone per week and 50 milligrams of anadrol per day and 200 milligrams of trenacetate per week and, and and it's like no no you don't no you don't that is a lie okay and the reason why they do this again is because it's embarrassing to say you know this is an activity that has well the work you're putting in yeah you're putting in a shit ton of work right you're putting in a lot of work and you can be proud of that but at the same time the the drugs are also a huge huge part of developing that physique or developing that body and it's such a necessary huge part of it okay and when you see freaks you know they're freaky like that for a reason it's not natural so <laughs> so, so you know that's that's my spiel uh, Jax, that sounds like an excellent cycle, bro, for your goals. That sounds like an excellent cycle for your goals. All right, next question. Next question is Vintage Black. And he asks, would hypersensitivity to recreational drugs have any correlation to performance enhancers? For example, I can take a few hits from a joint and get super baked while friends need a whole joint. Or I can take very small doses of pain meds or Adderall and feel the recreational effects. Okay, so, like, steroids really aren't, like, recreational drugs at all. Like, they really have no similarity to recreational drugs in the way that you take them um, and, and the way that it, it affects you. 
like it just doesn't uh it doesn't get you high at all <laughs> okay like it can make you you know have a better time in the gym and have more fun in the gym and and get more pumped up and be able to do more workload and stuff like that but you don't take them and like feel good or something like that like if anything you feel you know like a bit more stressed or a bit more um paranoid or uh you know, maybe a bit more emotional, even like, even or something like it's a stress, actually, it adds, it adds a stress to your life. And, and you learn how to deal with the stress. Um, over time, it takes like a few months of adaptation or, or just some experience of adaptation to uh, make that just like background noise that you don't really hear too often. But um, yeah, like, I don't really see like a correlation there because you know one you know you're saying you know if you can take Adderall and, and stuff like that you're asking if uh or get super baked from a joint <laughs> if that's going to be the same well those are working right on your brain you know those are those kind of things are working right on your brain to make you feel a different way really soon and and steroids take time to work they don't work right away and the effects in your brain are pretty minimal. The mostly effects are on your body. So they're not even hitting the same tissue, the same area of your body as a recreational drug. Um, and they, they take like a while to work. When you, when you take them the first day, like it's not, it's not anywhere near as strong as it is once it's built up in your system and like allowed time for having those DNA expression changes to happen. When the steroid finds your androgen receptor, you know, it's floating around in your blood finds an androgen receptor on your muscle tissue transmits a message to that androgen receptor which then carries the message to the nucleus of the cell and makes the dna get expressed differently in there which makes you look like an unnatural freaky bodybuilder so totally different process i wouldn't count on uh being sensitive to steroids if you're st sensitive to recreational drugs i would actually think you might have more side effects or something uh, from steroids if you're sensitive to recreational drugs because if you're like sensitive like that it means small doses small doses of things that aren't supposed to be in your body and change your body's chemistry uh, that like causes quite a huge disturbance within your body or huge changes just little bits so if you're you know pumping juice into you pumping gear into you you know your body's gonna see that and probably be like freaking out <laughs> I wouldn't be too worried though. I wouldn't be too worried. Uh, <laughs> don't let me scare you. Okay, next question. Um, Domian says, I took a couple weeks of Proviron, so my sex hormone binding globulin is low. Ah, this is the same guy in the last podcast. He said that uh, he had low SHBG and was it bad? And I explained to him, this was in podcast episode... Uh, episode five uh and i explained to him it was either five or six it was the one before this one and uh i explained to him that no that'll make his testosterone work better having low sex hormone binding globulin um so he asks does metformin make you sluggish so there's a lot of misinformation about metformin out there um people saying like it makes you like weaker or it makes you sluggish or something or that it's not a performance enhancer. Like all I have to say about that is take it. If you just take this stuff for a few weeks, okay? You, like 
if you take it for like three or four weeks, at, you know, a minimum of a thousand milligrams uh, per day, but 2000 milligrams per day is where it really shines and it has no bad health effects at all. Zero. It, it improves your health to take this stuff. Uh, and it makes you live longer to take it too. Uh, there, there's actual data that people who take this stuff live longer than people that don't. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, so, you know, when you take this stuff, you know, you will see changes. Okay. It's, it's not even, a, it's not a question of like, Oh, I can't believe that people say that it's not a performance enhancer. How can you say that when it makes changes right in front of your eyes? That's like saying like, Oh, it, you know, 50 milligrams of Anadrol per day is not a performance enhancer. And I'm like, what the heck? Take the tablet and see the effects. And it's like right there in front of our eyes for all of us to see. You're denying reality or something. That's the way that I think of this. When people say, uh, you, you know, metformin is not a performance enhancer. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. It, 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 it actually blows my mind. I'm, I'm like, because it seems like they believe what they're saying. And I, don't, I can't tell if they're just, you know, lying through their teeth or, or what. Uh, it, it's, it's really an odd phenomenon. Uh, but mind you, people are using this stuff, okay? Most, most pro bodybuilders are on metformin, okay? Just to let you know that even though you have all these people saying this and like, oh, it decreases IGF-1, okay? Well, just to let you know, whether you like it or not, most pro bodybuilders are on metformin, and that is a fact. All right, next question. Jordan says, what SARMs do you like best? I'm thinking about running RAD140 with a TRT dose of test and maybe GW. I've never used RAD140, but I hear a lot of people are interested in it. Um, I've used Osterine, S23, and LG, LGD4033, and all of them build muscle, and all of them work exactly like pro-hormones or like designer steroids or something, you know, like the stuff that they used to sell in GNC or whatever before it got banned. Um, and, and like they're, they're strong. It's like I said, they're strong, like milligram per milligram, um, like S23 and I mean, even Austrian, but I think S23 is definitely the strongest for me. That seems to be the one where I, it really it pow on the first day. I feel it, but you know, for me, 20 milligrams of LGD was like a day was like, you know, a CC of testosterone per week. Like they work like mild or moderate steroids. It's just the way it is. So if you are disappointed um, that pro hormones are banned, then SARMs is the way to go. Read my reviews of SARMs on bodybuilderinthailand.com. But yeah, if I had to pick one SARM and the SARM that I was going to pick was for building muscle, then I would pick LGD4033, okay? And that's what I would take. Or if I didn't take steroids, that's what I'd take. But if I picked one SARM and it was for feeling like a wild, crazy man, a wild, crazy man running around in the jungles of Thailand or like some kind of sick, freaky beast, then it would be S23, okay? Because that stuff affects my mind. It goes straight, goes straight to my brain. And I start having little emotional, not little, big emotional outbursts starting on the first day that I take it, sweating like an animal in the gym. And it's good stuff. It seems to give me, yeah, it's good stuff. All right, next question. P. 
Pietro asks, your thoughts on peptides such as combining hexarelin and ModGRF being comparable to HGH? Thanks, Dan. No, I don't think that anything can compare to HGH. I don't think that anything can compare to pharmaceutical grade HGH because um, everything tries to copy that. It, it, you know, everybody's trying to find a way to get around taking that. You know, you got things like MK677. You got things like injectable peptides. And, you know, actually out of all of the peptides that are around, you know, or all of the growth hormones secretagogues, things that make you secrete more natural growth hormone, because that's what peptides do for the most part, um, is MK677, the oral one, that's the best one. That one at 20 milligrams per day doubles your human growth hormone and IGF-1 levels naturally. So it, it's just a fact too. I've, I've seen multiple studies showing this happen um, in everyone that takes it at that dosage. 20, I think it's 25 milligrams per day. In the studies, it was either 20 or 25 milligrams per day. And I think it was 25, okay? And it doubles, when you do that, it doubles your human growth hormone and IGF-1 levels. And I, I mean, that's pretty good. I think that works better than any of the uh, injectable, any of the injectable peptides. But yeah, the thing with all that stuff is that none of it, not even the MK677, can even, you know, the only thing that, that any of that stuff, peptides, MK677, etc., can do is just kiss injectable human pharmaceutical-grade growth hormones ass, okay? That's all it can do. It's just give its ass a little kiss because it is so inferior, okay? Injectable pharmaceutical-grade human growth hormone is the shit. Other than testosterone, it's the best drug in bodybuilding, and there's no replacement for it. Just like there's no replacement for testosterone. This is a fact of life. It's a bioidentical hormone. These hormones that they can make into drugs and they you can inject you can inject them okay but they're natural hormones like natural testosterone but you can inject it or natural human growth hormone but you can inject it they're natural to your body and your body knows exactly what to do with them when they go in there the effects are insane when you dose them at high dosages high dosage testosterone high dosage human growth hormone that's basically everything you need that's basically everything you need to get to do anything you want with your body. All right. And, and, and I mean, can you say that for, for, for peptides? I mean, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Next question is Jasu asks, uh, love the book ultimate guide to roids 109 page ebook by Dan, the bodybuilder from Thailand. I always revert back to it. If I ever get, forget something I need answered. So, Let's say doing a cycle of 400 Trenbolone per week, 600 milligrams testosterone for 12 weeks. Anadrol, 50 milligrams per day, first four weeks. Should I introduce Anadrol to 100 milligrams at week 8 to 12 because I notice I stopped making gains on most cycles at week 8? So I was wondering if I should start upping doses toward the end to keep making steady gains. I probably would. <laughs> I mean, I'm like you. Like, if I'm going to be on steroids I'm on steroids for a reason and that is to make changes you know meaningful changes to my muscle mass and my appearance so if you know it, they're not working so if they're not working then I would change something and so you said that um, 
you know, after eight weeks and the last four weeks, you usually stop making gains. You know, I definitely think that, you know, putting Anadrol at 100 milligrams per day would make you have more gains rather than 50 milligrams per day. I actually think that the full character of Anadrol comes out at 100 milligrams per day. Like, 50 milligrams is good. 100 milligrams is great. 150 milligrams is too much. Starts making you feel sick. So 100 milligrams per day of Anadrol is freaking sweet. It's freaking awesome. You get super strong, look bigger, look harder, muscles bulging against the skin more, and not bloated unless you're weird. Unless you're weird and you have some kind of problems with Anadrol stimulating your progesterone or, or estrogen receptors. But for most people, it does not do that. And you don't need to take any more AI, no extra anti-estrogen, with anadrol because it doesn't convert into estrogen it stays anadrol in your body and uh it's great it, it's it's one of the most awesome drugs in bodybuilding it it puts on even so 100 milligrams of anadrol per day that's only like as toxic to your body you know anecdotally okay this is anecdotal as 50 milligrams of d-ball per day like milligram per milligram by the way D-ball is way stronger than Anadrol. It's roughly twice as strong. 25 milligrams of D-ball per day. Yeah, it's about as strong as 50 milligrams of Anadrol per day in its muscle building power. But D-ball is more of a mess. There's more side effects. There's more estrogen issue. Rather, with Anadrol, there's usually no estrogen issue. And uh, it, it can just be kind of a, more of a mess, like more high blood pressure and things like that. So Anadrol is more user-friendly and easy to use without troubleshooting, without having to do troubleshooting during your cycle. And it's also one of the favorite drugs. I mean, D-Ball is too, okay? The two favorite drugs of most powerlifters are D-Ball, DECA, testosterone, and Anadrol. Those four drugs right there, that's, those are the powerlifter drugs that the powerlifters make use of the most. The guys who are powerlifters and strong men, you know, people, you know, everybody knows that those guys are using steroids and performance enhancing drugs, okay? Well, the ones that they rely on for their sport is D-Ball, Anadrol, Testosterone, and DECA. Alright? Alright. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.